you do it. Philippians 4, look at verse 4, and we're going to read down through verse 13. The Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, Rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and Seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound everywhere in, in all things. I am instructed both to, to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We read the long block of scripture because this is the passage that we are dissecting from verse 4 all the way down through verse 13. And I made this point last week, but oftentimes we cherry pick verses out of a chapter. We lift them up out of context and we don't understand the context of the verse. And then the verse just gets used for however we want to use it, which, re, re, which brings about the question, which again is the title, does Philippians 4.13 mean a Christian can do anything? It's Philippians 4.13, I can do all things, all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. What does that mean? Well, we're going to continue answering that question as we jump back in tonight. Lord, thank you for the Bible. Thank you, God, that we are part of a church where the Word of God is treated exactly as it is. It is alive. And, uh, Lord, this is not a church with dead formal religion where we read verses and never make a connection into our, 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 our day-to-day. Lord, there's so much here. Uh, there's so much here we'll never be able to unearth it all uh, in all of the time we take to study the Bible. Even in a lifetime or two, it could never all be unearthed. And so tonight, as we unearth more things and we look at things, may we be reminded of how we can live for you, how we can do all the spiritual things through Christ, which strengtheneth us. And Lord, help us to know that without you, when it comes to these things, we can do nothing. As John 15, 5 has told us. Thank you for your Bible, and thank you for uh, it uh, as it relates to our lives. Help us to have ears that are ready to hear tonight, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I opened up last week talking about basketball and Christian school basketball teams. One of the points I wanted to make uh, and failed to do so, at least directly make this point, I think I made it in an indirect way. I talked about uh, coaching uh, Christian school basketball and how that oftentimes the, the, the players would gather before a game and they would huddle up and they would quote Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And this was their way of hyping themselves up before they were going to go out and beat the other team. We can do it. I can do all things through Christ. And here's where I didn't quite drive the point home last week the way I wanted. Um, What if the team in the other locker room, who is also a Christian school, 
is quoting the same verse, saying the same thing. You know, this isn't soccer. Someone has to win, right? Uh, you can tie in soccer, which is one of the reasons why I'm not a soccer fan. Because I think, uh, Brother Ordonius here, he's a soccer fan. Uh, I think it's wimpy when you tie, right? I mean, that's politically correct, and I'm a politically incorrect person. Someone needs to win, and someone needs to lose. And, uh, by the way, I would rather lose than tie. I'm just putting that out there. I would rather lose than tie. Uh, But all the same, uh, uh, in basketball, when both teams claim that verse, well, it sort of washes out the other option, does it not? I can do all things through Christ. That is not what that verse is talking about. We must keep it within its context. And so last week, we, 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 we rewound the, the passage back to verse 4, and we looked at verse 4, and we began to work our way back toward 13, and we saw what Philippians 4.13 is talking about. Uh, Paul had just got through giving a list of requirements that Christians are to hold to and lifestyles that they're to choose. And it is almost as though the reader gets through verse 12 and is left scratching his head and saying to himself, Paul, I cannot do what you've asked me to do. It is not humanly possible to accomplish what you've just commanded. And Paul in rebuttal says, but I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Oh, you may not be able to dunk a basketball and you may not be able to be the greatest at any one particular uh, thing within a, a field or, or a career, but you can, you can do the things laid out in Philippians 4, even though they seem impossible in the flesh. So let's quickly review some of these things that Paul laid out for us in Philippians 4, beginning in verse 4. We said last week, number one, I can rejoice. I can rejoice. Look back at verse 4. Uh, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, we talked about how that anyone can rejoice when things are going their way. Anyone can do that, right? You get a promotion at work and things are going great, right? Uh, You get a good health report from the doctor and everything is going hunky-dory. Everything is going according to plan. Uh, We can rejoice. By the way, I find it easy for people to complain even when things are going great in their life, right? How many of you have seen that? Even when things are perfect, we, we still sometimes find a way to complain all the same. But Paul said, listen, anyone can rejoice when things are going great. But I don't want you just to rejoice in the good times. I want you to rejoice always or always. I want you to rejoice when you get fired. I want you to rejoice uh, when you get a bad health report. I want you to rejoice when you have a fight with your husband or wife. I want you to rejoice when your kids don't uh, obey and listen to you. I want you to rejoice when the kids in the nursery are driving you bananas and you can't wait for the, the sermon to finally get over so you can get out of purgatory, right? I want you to rejoice all the time. I want you to rejoice in the good times and the bad. And uh, someone can go back and say, but Paul, it is not possible to rejoice always. And Paul says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Uh, we saw, number one, I can rejoice. And we saw, number two, I can refrain. I can refrain. Look at verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men The Lord is at hand. We define moderation as placing a limitation in front of something so that it stays in its proper place. And we we must learn to live a life of temperance. 
we must learn to live a life of moderation. We must know how to say no to our flesh. We must know how to live within boundaries. And we must know how to cast off not only the sins that do so easily beset us, but also to set aside the weights and grow to a place in the Christian life where we quit asking, well, what's wrong with that? Show me a chapter and a verse that says this is wrong or that is wrong. And we grow to a place in our Christian life of maturity where we begin to ask the question, What is right with it? How is this going to move me closer to the Lord? How is this going to make me more like Christ? And if it isn't, then I'm going to boot it out. I'm going to kick it off to the side because it isn't about right or wrong. It's about what makes me more like Christ. And in order to live that type of relationship, we must refrain. We must show moderation. And someone says, well, pastor, I have a sin that's deeply entrenched in my life and I just can't seem to overcome. I have a struggle that I just can't seem to get past. And pastor, I have uh, this, this thing that's plagued me in my Christian life my whole life. I cannot let my moderation be known unto all men. It is not possible. And Paul says in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Uh, We saw, number one, we saw I can rejoice. Number two, I can refrain. Notice number three, we saw last week I can request. Look at verse number six. Verse number six, be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests, there's that word requests, be made known unto God. Last week we um, we uh, we took quite a bit of time and we unpackaged this verse and we said that the root word for nothing in the original language translates to our modern day English word anxious. Be or rather for careful translates to our modern day word of anxious. Be anxious or be careful for nothing. It, what Paul is saying here is it is not okay. For you to live with anxiety. I said last week that the word anxiety has become a a hit word. It's a popular word. It's a word a lot of people use. And uh, it, it is a word that describes our innermost feelings. And I said anxiety comes from one of two sources. It is either spiritual or it is physical. It is either spiritual or physical. And we said that many people want to run to a doctor and deal with the physical side of it. And then if that doesn't work, then they turn to the spiritual side and address the spiritual side of it. And the reason why people do that, I believe, is because they have more confidence in a doctor and a medical system than they do the God who made them and created them. I I am not going to say that it is a sin to go see a doctor uh, when you have an anxiety problem. But I will say this. You need to make sure that you deal with it spiritually first and you're thorough in dealing with it spiritually. And then if there's still an issue there, then go see a doctor and see if you have a physical concern that goes beyond the spiritual. And Paul says here the solution to anxiety is prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Don't you dare go see a doctor over anxiety until you've spent ample time in prayer, ample time supplicating, which is prayer in a deeper, deeper level, and ample time expressing gratitude to God. You know, I find very few people that spend 30 minutes plus a day 
praising God and thanking God for what they have in their life, I find very few people that do that have a struggle with anxiety or depression. I'm not saying that it it is unheard of or that it cannot happen. I'm making sure I leave myself all uh, the room for plausible deniability here. But I will say here that if you will spend ample time in prayer, in the presence of God, supplicating and expressing gratitude for all of the goodness in your life, and you deal with this according to Philippians 4, 6, then you can walk away with your request being made known to God. You can walk away anxiety free. You say, I can't overcome anxiety. It is not possible in the flesh. And Paul would say in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And um, uh, we began, uh, let's see, uh, we, we, we also covered point four last week, and then we're going to jump in on point five. So one more to review. Notice number four, I can rely. I can rely. Look down at verse number seven. Verse number seven, it says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I can take the struggles that I have in life, And I can rely on God that I can turn over my anxiety and struggle and worries and fears and uncertainties and unknowns and all of the things that I struggle with in my heart and life. I can turn those over to God and I can expect God, I can rely on God to swap those out for a peace that passes all understanding. A peace that passes all understanding. Um, how many of you have ever laid in bed at night and you couldn't sleep because you had anxiety? You had a struggle. You had a fear. And you laid there and you just did your best to pray through it. How many know what I'm talking about tonight? All right. You ever reach a point and you're trying to pray through something where all of a sudden the anxiety flees and you have a peace that enters your heart? You know what that is? If you've never experienced it, it's pretty awesome. You know what that is? You're relying on God and God is coming through for you. He's lifting the anxiety out of your heart, and he's placing peace. And all of a sudden, about 30 seconds after he replaces that with peace, you're asleep. And you can sleep and not toss and turn and pace the floor. Um, it It is a moment where you realize... God wants. He loves me. He's my heavenly Father. He loves me more than I could ever comprehend. He wants to take the anxiety and struggle and fears. He wants to lift those out of my heart. And He wants to give me that peace. He's just waiting on us to have faith and trust Him. He's waiting on us to come to Him so that He can put that peace that passes all understanding. He wants to keep us and guard not only our heart, but also our mind through Christ Jesus. It's so clear in Philippians 4 that if you turn to the Lord and you rely on Him, He will give you a heart and a mind that is filled with peace that passes all understanding. And you can say, yeah, but this, and yeah, but that. But Philippians 4, 7 seems to be pretty locked tight, uh, 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 seems to be pretty sealed. It says that this will happen if you will turn and rely on the Lord. You say, Pastor, I can't overcome hurt and anxiety and, and the unknown. I can't seem to get away from it. and all these struggles in my life. And, and I have uh, rage and, and, and torment and abuse that's being poured on top of me. How can I live with peace? And I would say, uh, that, uh, like, like Paul says in verse 13, that you can do all things through Christ, 
which strengtheneth you. Uh, number five, number five, and this is really where we left off last week, so this will be new ground. Notice number five, I can resolve. I can resolve. I gave you the point, but we didn't uh, cover it at all. Look at verse number eight. Um, I think I'll be able to offer a new angle to you on this. All right. Notice here it says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Usually when we read the verse, we emphasize, um, let's see, uh, true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report. Those are usually what gets emphasized, but the Bible here is talking about things that we're supposed to focus on. What things are we supposed to focus on? Uh, uh, supposed to focus on. There it is. We're supposed to focus on things that are, let's look at the verse again, let's read it again. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are Honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on these things. Um, uh, now, you may say, Pastor, I just can't do uh, the things that you have preached on today, I, uh, this, this week and last week. I just am not capable of... Uh, of rejoicing all the time and refraining uh, from things I ought not and taking all my uh, concerns and, and worries and anxieties to God in prayer and truly relying on Him. I, I just, I, I, I can't, I just can't do it. And, and I would ask your, I would ask you to ask yourself this question. How is your thought life? What kind of thought life do you have? Can I tell you why most Christians struggle? They struggle because they don't have a mindset that pleases the Lord. Satan has, I'm not going to say taken over their mind, but Satan has won some battles when it comes to the way we think. Um, I wrote these two words down in my notes here. I wrote these two words down. The words are stinking thinking. Stinking thinking. That's where we're dwelling on things we have no right dwelling on. We have no right dwelling on. Let me uh, show you how I believe Philippians 4.8 is supposed to work. You have a thought come to your mind. All right? You need to run that thought through what I call the Philippians 4.8 filter. The Philippians 4.8 filter. Okay, so you have a filter, and it has multiple layers. In fact, it's got true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtue, praise. All right, it's got eight filters. So the very first thing you do is you ask yourself this question about the thought. Is it true? And if the answer is no, it's not true, 
then you need to immediately dismiss it. You need to cast it down, casting out every imagination, every thought that, uh, that uh, lifted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing to captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Slap some handcuffs on that lie that's, uh, that's, that's in your head and turn it over to the Lord and say, get that out of here. You say, okay, but pastor, it, it checks the box of being true. Okay, well then here's the next question. Is it honest? Is it honest? You know, something can be true and not be honest. And I am parsing words a little bit here, but, but stay with me, okay? Um, it is true that Angela is not the only beautiful woman on planet Earth, all right? Uh, in fact, if I were to go around and ask all the married men in the, in, the, in the room if they thought their wives were pretty, I would hope every one of them would say, yes, I think my wife is pretty, um, it is true that Angela is not the only pretty woman in the world, but it is not honest for me to think about another woman's beauty. You see how some things are true, but they are not intellectually honest for us to dwell on. Now, that's just a silly example, uh, but there are things in your life that are true that harm you to dwell on them. It is true that someone maybe cut you off in traffic. It would not be honest for you to sit and dwell on that. It is true that someone maybe hurt you and cut you deeply and, and ruined your spirit for a time. It is not spiritually honest for you to dwell on someone's hurt against you. You're running your thoughts that you think about through the Philippians 4, 8 filter. Listen, what I'm giving you tonight is golden if you'll hang on to it. If it's true, I'll think on it. If it's honest, I'll think on it. How about this next one? Is it just? Is it just? Is it just for me to dwell on it? If it checks that box in the next one, is it pure? Is it a pure thought? Uh, is, it, is it something that's going to bring about purity in my life for me to dwell on that? Is it lovely? I've heard someone say, well, you know what? I gave that person a piece of my mind and I, and I spoke the truth. Nothing but the truth, so help me God. And they didn't like it. But you know what? Sometimes the truth hurts. How many of you have ever thought that or said that or had felt that way, right? I gave that guy a piece of my mind. Or you wanted to give someone a piece of your mind. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You come up with a perfect comeback like an hour after you walk away from the person. You know? You, 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 man, I should have said this. That would have been this eager. I'd have got him right there. And, 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 and those things always seem to come to us later. And, and then the older you get, you get quicker on your feet. And then when you're Mike Yankowski's age, you just zing everybody all the time because, you know, you're so quick-witted. Um, listen, sometimes the thoughts that you think might be true, they might be honest, they might be just, they might be pure, but they may not be lovely. They may not be lovely. I'm reminded what the scripture says when it says, speak the truth in love. Some of you look like you're bored out of your mind tonight. Everybody all right? Speak the truth in love. Speak it in love. By the way, if you want to speak the truth in love, then you need to be thinking the truth in love. Because if you're not thinking the truth in love, eventually something's going to come spilling out of that tongue that isn't very lovely. I can resolve that 
the thoughts that I think that go on in my head are going to pass the test of the, I'll call it the Thajipal test. The Thajipal test. You say, what is the Thajipal test? T-H-J-P-L. True, honest, just, pure, lovely. The Thajipal test. If it doesn't pass the Philippians 4.8 filter, then I have no right thinking on it. And by the way, this is where unforgiveness comes from. Because we keep dwelling on things that people did to us that are wrong. And we emotionally won't resolve to let them go. And uh, it drives us to a place of unforgiveness and then bitterness. And then that bitterness brings about all sorts of other maladies that are spiritual in our life and cause us to have deep, deep, deep Issues. You say, Pastor, I can't control my thinking and I get mind monsters that take over and I, I turn little uh, mental uh, molehills into mountains and, and, and they own me. And Pastor, I can't do it. And I would say, like Paul said in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Number six. Number six. I can replicate. I can replicate. Look at Philippians chapter 4 and look at verse 9. Paul writes, he says, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do replicate and the God of peace shall be with you. Here's how we are to live our Christian life. All right, the end goal in living the Christian life is what? It's to become like who? Speak to me. It's to become like who? Jesus Christ. That's the goal, right? We are constantly being made into the image of Jesus Christ. How many of you have been saved long enough where you can look back over your shoulder and you can see some progress you've made in becoming like Jesus Christ? Would you raise your hand? The rest of you, without your hand up, you've made no progress, all right? Raise your hand for me if you've made some progress, all right? Every hand being raised, I hope so. How many of you can see that you still got a lot of progress you still need to make, all right? You, you got a long journey. You, make, you ever go on a long walk and you turn around and you look behind yourself and you go, wow, I've walked a long ways. Some of you, you get to the refrigerator and the couch is a long ways away, right? I've walked a long ways. You go on a long journey, a long walk down the road, or you may be out in the woods, you go on a, a walk, and you turn around and you go, man, I, I, I can barely even see where I was some time ago. But then you look out ahead and you say, i got a long, long, long way still to go. And that's how I feel in my Christian life. I can see way, way, way back when I was a four-year-old boy, I can see that I have grown a lot in the Lord over the last 34 years of being saved. But I look ahead of me on where I need to be to become like Christ, and I can't can't even see the final destination because I've got so much changing that I need to do. The goal is to become like Christ. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, he said, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. So watch this. Here's how this works. I find a Christian who is striving to be like Christ. And then I work to mimic that Christian's behavior when it comes to his Christ-likeness. All right? Now, don't be a blind fool. Don't be a blind fool. There isn't any human being walking planet Earth that's got their Christian life all figured out. And by the way, that included the Apostle Paul. There isn't anyone that's got it all figured out. 
Don't ever lock eyes on any one person and say, well, I'm just going to duplicate everything in their life because they've got it all figured out. Oh, no. They don't have it all figured out. All right? Um, You replicate the parts of them that are Christ-like. You replicate the parts of them that are Christ-like. I'm a blessed man. I uh, was hired in 2009 by Curtis King. Uh, He is, uh, I still consider him my pastor. Even pastors need a pastor. And uh, he, um, he mentored me in church ministry. And a lot of the way I do things around here, I learn from him. And so if you don't like something that goes on around here, it's not my fault, it's his. Amen? Um, I learned from him. And um, I, I am privileged that I get to do a video podcast with him weekly. By the way, if you don't get to watch our podcast or you haven't tuned into our podcast and you want to see your pastor cutting up and having a good time with a pastor buddy, I encourage you to tune in and watch it. It's on our Facebook page. You can watch, uh, get it on Spotify, and there's a couple other ways to go about getting it. But I encourage you to watch it. And uh, right now we're doing a whole series on anger and how anger uh, is, a, is, a, is a fire that can burn your house down, and you need to overcome that spirit of anger. But I, I praise God for Pastor King because I have watched him... He has a model marriage with his wife, and I have watched him do things really well, and I've said, where he is like Christ, I want to be like him. And I would encourage you, find a believer that you see that mimics Christ, and get in behind that person and mimic their Christ-like behavior. Now, I'll just tell you, I seek to be someone who can be an example to you so you can get in behind me and follow me. And clearly the church felt that I was worthy of that or they wouldn't have voted me in to be pastor. Amen? But uh, don't be blind. No pastor's got it all figured out, me included. Pick those areas of your pastor that you feel uh, are Christ-like and get in behind those and do them. You say, Pastor Lejeune, I have no interest in that. I'm just interested in living my life and being me, and I'm never going to put a man on a pedestal. I don't want you to put a man on a pedestal, or a woman on a pedestal, or anyone else, anything on a pedestal. I want you to put Christ on a pedestal, and I want you to mimic His behavior. And when you see that behavior in another believer, then copy that behavior of the believer, and as long as they're following Christ, Follow them. And if they step out of line with Christ, then you keep on following Christ. You say, Pastor, I just can't do that. And I would say, like Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notice number seven, I can regard. I can regard. Look at verse number 10, Philippians 4.10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly. And now at the last, your care, your regard, your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Philippians has been uh, labeled, classified as a prison epistle. Paul wrote this from a prison uh, in Rome. He was under house arrest in Rome, and he wrote this epistle toward the very end of his life. Definitely in the latter years of his life. And you know what Paul said to the church of Philippi? He said, you all have shown me such kind regard. Here I am suffering. Here I am struggling. Here I am under arrest. Here I am awaiting a a sentencing that could end up leading to my death. And church of Philippi, your care of me has caused me to flourish. It's caused me to flourish. 
I want you, I hope everyone hears what I'm about to say. I really, really do. I want you to stop and think for a minute that you get really sick in the next six months. So sick that you are not able to come to church anymore. Maybe it's a terminal illness, maybe it isn't. But so sick that you're bedridden for either a time or maybe permanently. And while you're sick, hardly anyone in your church reaches out to you and checks up on you. How would that make you feel? Oh, the pastor reaches out and checks, and maybe one of the deacons reaches out and checks, and that's about it. You get a flurry of phone calls in the first couple of weeks, and after that, they quit coming. And unless you're all over social media updating everyone, everyone how you're doing, no one even knows or no one even reaches out to check on you and care. Why do Baptist Church, are you listening to me this evening? That happens here from time to time. We have people in our church who are not here right now who are still part of our church, and they don't get checked up on very much beyond me and maybe a deacon or two. And it ought not be that way. It ought not be that way. If it happened to you, it would hurt your feelings. But we do it to others all the time. I've mentioned this in the prayer request time, but sometimes we become so self-focused on our day-to-day We forget to check up on our brothers and sisters in Christ, and they're part of our spiritual body. You know, if I hit my hammer, hit my hand with a hammer, every other part of my body comes running to its its aid. And when part of our body spiritually is hit with a hammer of illness, the entire body ought to come running to the aid and checking up on it. It might be time we look around the church or come ask me, come ask one of our deacons, hey, who hasn't been here in a while? Maybe you know who hasn't been here in a while. Check up on them. Follow up on them. You say, Pastor Lejeune, I've got so much going on in my day-to-day. I'm running the hamster wheel of life, just trying to pay the bills and get by. I don't have time to show regard to other people outside of my immediate circle. And I would say, like Paul said in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Number eight. Number eight, notice, I can rest. I can rest. Look at verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. There is so much unrest that comes from materialism. Materialism. Having to have the next biggest, best fill in the blank. The latest, greatest smartphone. The latest, greatest TV. The latest, greatest car. The latest, greatest smartwatch. The latest, great whatever you're into, right? Put your niche in there. We run ourselves in a credit card debt. Maxing out this card, maxing out that card. Living hand to mouth, and then when we're out of money, having to borrow other people's money. We're never at rest. We're never at rest. By the way, can I tell you that uh, to take this from the material into the spiritual There can be an unhealthiness in our covetousness towards someone else's faith. You may look around the church and see that someone else has got it together more spiritually than you do. Then you start comparing yourself to them. 
That's not wise. The Bible tells us it's not wise. And now you're not at rest spiritually because you have to outdo sister or brother such and such. Now we all, all ought to be, there, there ought to be a level of discontentment with where we are spiritually at all times. That's what pushes us to keep walking that journey to become like Christ. But you should compare yourself with where you were and where you ought to be, not with someone else. Not with someone else. I look around the room and I see some ladies in here that have been saved for 30, 40 years. Some, some even longer. Then I look at younger ladies in the room or newer Christians in the room. Don't you dare start comparing yourself to someone who's been saved for three decades, four decades, and saying, I wish I could be. And listen, even if you have been saved four decades, don't compare yourself to another person who's been saved four decades because they walked a different path in life than you did. You be who Christ has called you to be. You walk with Him. You check the, uh, the, the, the marks that God has put in front of you. You become like Christ and you run your race and you run, you, you, then you can be at spiritual rest knowing that you are content with such things as you have. Quickly here, notice that Paul wrote this from prison and Paul said, I am content. I am content. How many of you here have ever been guilty of grumbling over uh, something that wasn't working in your home or your car, and then you realized this is a first world problem? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, my smartphone won't work. I've got to restart it. And you start complaining. That is a first world problem, right? My washing machine broke. Let me take you to countries in the world where you've got to go down to the river and wash your clothes. All right? Boo-hoo. Your dryer doesn't work. Most people don't, in the world don't have a dryer. Right? Oh, man, my toilet backed up. Okay. All right. You know, there are places in the world where they don't even have indoor plumbing. All right? Stop your griping. Be content with such things as you have. If Paul can be content from prison, then you and I can be content in our little first world mansions. Amen? Amen? All right. I can rest. I can rest. I can find rest in Christ, no matter what I have or don't have. Number nine, I can relate. I can relate. Look at verse number 12, Philippians 4. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Oh, man, I don't want to step on toes here, but I do want to speak the truth. Some of you in here come across as a total snob to a large faction of our church. And you're not trying to be a snob, but you are. And I'm not talking to rich people or poor people. I'm talking to everybody. You know what a snob is? A snob who label, is a person who labels another person or a group of people as someone with whom they do not or will not associate with. And so... They don't give them the time of day. They're snubbing them, and that makes them a snob. Can you relate with all people? Look, I praise God for my upbringing. My mom and dad raised me on a bus route, and I grew up in the inner cities of, of, of towns. I grew up around 
uh, uh, folks that didn't have the same color skin as I did. And, and I grew up on a, a church bus, and, and I grew up around language, and I grew up smelling pot. And I grew up, and, and I praise God that my dad put me in ministry at a young age and said, Here, be around these people and learn how to relate with these people. And then I thank God for folks like Jael and Alana who can teach me some Ebonics in the lobby before and after church and keep it going. Amen? But uh, listen, learn how to relate. Someone comes walking through the door of our church and they're not your cup of tea. Learn how to relate. Don't snub them and act like, oh, well, someone else can talk to them. Take it upon yourself to be all things to all men. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19 through 23, said, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. By the way, you're not being a servant when when you're a snob, when your nose is in the air, when you're not willing to talk to a certain group of people because they don't relate right within your box of life. And unto the Jews, he said, I became a Jew, that I might gain the Jews, to them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law, to them that are without the law, as without the law, and then in quotation, or rather in parentheses, being not without the law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made myself all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partakers thereof with you. You know what Paul's saying? He's saying the salvation of the entire world is more important than me fitting in some social club. I will work hard to relate with as many people as possible. I will chameleon and change and morph but to the crowd I'm around, I'm not going to be a phony, a hypocrite, but I'm going to work hard to be able to morph and chameleon uh, to fit in with the crowd that I'm around so as to gain credibility with them to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because above all, that's what matters. You say, Pastor, I just can't do that. You know, I'm an introvert and I'm quiet and I'm shy and I just can't do that. And I would say, you can relate. You can do all things through Christ. Amen? Philippians 4.13, let's say it together, ready? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Can you see how uh, the, 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 the church of Philippi would have got done with verse 12 and thought, I can't do any of this. And you'd say, well, right, you can't through your flesh. But you can through Christ. And when we trade in flesh living for Christ living, boy, we can do all things through Christ. Which strengtheneth us. Which of these things that we covered, these nine things, which of these things do you struggle to do? Because all of us have something on this list we struggle to do. Pick them. Identify them. Don't let the sermon go in one ear and out the other. Take your pen right now. I'm going to give you an assignment before we go. All right? Everybody pick up your pen that filled out an outline and circle the ones that you struggle with the most. Take a moment. Circle the ones you struggle with the most. Pastor, don't make me work. I'm making you work. Pick up your pen and circle the ones that you struggle with the most. Do you have a hard time rejoicing in the bad times? Do you have a hard time refraining from sin? Do you have a sinful habit that just eats you alive? Go through them. There's nine of them there. You probably can't check every box. There's got to be something that you struggle with or could do better at. Which ones can you, can you work at? Make it your goal this week 
to do those things through Christ. Amen? How many of you here circled something? Raise your hand if you circled something. Good. The rest of you are super Christians that don't need preaching. Amen? I don't know why you even bother coming to church. All right? Because you just got, you got it all figured out. Amen? But the rest of us here, we need to work on these things. And let's put in the effort. I'm, I'm being facetious. I'm just teasing you. All right? Don't, don't, get, don't get your feelings hurt. If you, get your, if you got your feelings hurt over that, then you still need to come to church. Because you, you got offended. Amen? We need church. Um, so let's stand together. And we'll be dismissed tonight. Thank you for being here. I'm glad you made it out on a Wednesday night. It's dark, it's cold, but bright, warm days are coming.